Welcome. Thanks for dropping in to Building Barrels, where we explore the technology, planning, and development of adventure centers using man-made waves to spread the stoke of surfing. My name is Michael, and I'd like you to join me in learning everything we can about surf park development, and together we can build barrels in our hometowns. In my last episode, we discussed more real estate development and how it relates to building a surf park. We discussed how the real estate development matrix outlines the whole process of developing a piece of land. Now, today, we're going to revisit the matrix, but I'm going to spare you the red pill joke. Previously, we talked about the seven different stages of real estate development, and today we're going to go over the eight major tasks that are common to each of these stages. Now, as a reminder, you don't have to be a part of the entire life cycle of a development. You can enter and exit at any stage of the development process, or you can be in a combination of stages. However, each stage individually or collectively will have each of these eight major steps. Now, before we get into these eight steps, let's have a quick review of the seven stages of a real estate development. These are land banking, the accumulation of land for long-term investment, land packaging, which is planning and conceptualizing the best use of the land, land development, which is grading and building the infrastructure, There's building development, which is the actual construction of the houses or buildings. Then there's building operations, leasing and operating the development. And then there's building renovation, rehabbing and renovating parts of or the whole development. And then finally, there's property redevelopment. Once the property is beyond its best use, it's bulldozed and you start the process all over again back at step one or two, depending on which phase you want to go through. So those are the seven stages. And if you want a refresher or to hear more about those stages, go back to my last episode for a better understanding of each. Now, each of those stages have eight major steps involved. This doesn't mean that there's 56 steps in in a development project. Depending on your goals and the stages of development you're looking at, some steps may overlap into others. For instance, financing commonly overlaps multiple stages. If you were to, let's say, buy a piece of land that already has a plan in place and all the approvals and everything, but nothing has been done to the property, then you'd be coming in at stage three to put the infrastructure in place and build the roads, and then maybe you want to sell it to somebody else who's going to build the buildings and houses. And that's just one stage. So you would need financing for this one stage. However, if you wanted to build the buildings, you could come in and do two stages, and so you need financing for both stages. And so you don't need to repeat that step, the step of financing for each stage. You would just do it once, and it would cover both stages. So I hope that makes sense. So here are the eight steps needed for each stage. It's acquisition, financing, market analysis and strategies, environmental, approvals and permits, physical improvements, transportation and accessibility, and sales and disposition. To be clear, it's not as easy as taking these eight steps in order. These steps might be better 
described as categories with each one having various tasks associated with them. And the tasks may overlap. There isn't necessarily an order to them, and some may need to be done at the same time. So let's dive in. Acquisition is the purchase of the land or project, but it's not quite as easy as writing a check for something you find that can be developed. This may actually be the most important step. And if you ask any developer or investor, you don't make money when you sell the property. You make money when you buy it. And so we'll spend most of this episode discussing acquisition. And acquisition is a huge decision. You have to evaluate the property whether to buy the land or not. And this is often referred to as a go or no-go decision. To answer that, a developer needs to determine if he can improve the land or project and create value in it. And creating value is, as we've discussed, is how a developer gets paid. The different tasks for this step likely include feasibility studies, analyzing how much you might be able to sell the property for versus how much it will cost to buy and develop the land. Now, with us surf park developers, you may not be thinking of the exit because you're thinking about the business and surfing perfect waves every day. But you still need to find out what the potential return on investment looks like. This leads me into probably the most difficult task for all of surf park development, attracting investors or underwriting the project. Considering all the risks and the large amount of money involved, are the returns good enough to get an investor or lender to finance the purchase and the development? This is the most difficult step, and it's actually the one I'm stuck on. Another task in the acquisition category is due diligence. This is the process of discovering or validating whether the project can actually be developed and completed. Does it need to be rezoned and how difficult will it be? How will you get utilities to the site? Will it affect traffic? How high can you build? How much square footage can you build? There are a lot of questions for the due diligence period. All of these issues, as well as the financing and feasibility studies, will impact the contract you write and closing terms you negotiate. And so all of that goes into acquisition, and there's a lot that goes into it. So I may need to record a whole nother session devoted solely to that. Now, I already mentioned financing, and this is important in acquisition, but it's also a category itself because so much goes into it. The financing tasks involve the developer determining what kind of capital and how much is required to fund the purchase and development and pay any mortgages, taxes, insurance while you're developing, as well as the costs of improvements and the costs to sell or hold later on. Then you have to go out and find the capital through securing a loan or finding an investor who believes in your vision and believes there's enough value in the return on their investment. This is especially important for surf park developers because the surf park is so new. The whole concept is so new and there is no proven business model to replicate. And so the risks for an investor are higher than traditional businesses or traditional real estate development. And once again, this may need yet another episode just to discuss the financing because demonstrating this value will involve projections, returns, risks, operating expense, capital stacks, holding costs, and way more than I can get into today. So let's move on to the next category of steps, which is market studies and strategies. 
Some of this will be performed during the due diligence of acquisition, but you'll want to study the current and potential future market conditions. What are the existing rents, occupancies? What's the potential for future demands? What are the needs for the area? What land uses might influence the development? It's also important to know what users might be expected and what would be the best marketing strategy to attract them. How, when, and to whom would you target your marketing? And as previously discussed, surf park developments are new. And these studies are especially important if you want to bring a surf park to an inland area such as my endeavor for Charlotte, when there isn't a customer base of surfers already established. But you know, and I know, that everyone wants to surf. So the next set of tasks is focusing on the environmental conditions of the development, the current and future states of the site conditions and their impact on the development. And this can include soil or water testing, environmental impact studies, effects of rain runoff, storm water drainage. It may also include studies on reducing the carbon footprint, sustainability, or how to make the project more green. Many of these tasks are completed during the land packaging and land development phases, but some may need to be completed or revisited during later stages of the development. For surf parks, it's definitely important to study the environmental impact. Us surfers are typically conservationists, and we want to minimize our impact on the environment and waterways. So these steps are very important. Now, getting approvals and permits is the next step in development. These approvals and permits come from all forms of government authority, whether it's local, city, and county ordinances, maybe regional or state ordinances, or even national, like the EPA, the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Once again, several of these are addressed earlier on in the development process, but some of them may need to be revisited at a later stage. The next category of tasks are improvements. These tasks are much more tangible. It involves the planning, the design, and the engineering of your development. And then there's the actual construction. What will you build first? What kind of materials are you going to use? Whose expertise do you need? How do you build on time and under budget? These steps for improvement ensure you build in a timely, attractive, and cost-efficient manner as well as meeting safety and sustainability standards. Now, the set of tasks associated with transportation and accessibility involve not only determining how people are going to get to your development, but also how they're going to move through it. How do your suppliers navigate it without disturbing the customers? Where will your customers park? You may need to make public improvements or address traffic issues to make it easier for your customers to get to your development. You also want to consider the foot traffic through your development and through the buildings. This especially holds true for a surf park. You want to make sure that surfers carrying their boards can easily walk through without endangering the other patrons with a, a fin or the tip of a surfboard. Finally, there are the tasks for sales and disposition. Now, you may not want to sell your development. Well, once it's completed, you might want to hold on to it and, and retain that income. But there may be a time when you want to sell a building or another portion of your property or the whole thing. And these steps include determining exactly what it is that you are selling, how much it's worth, who would want to buy it, 
how do you market it? What is your marketing and pricing strategy? What kind of terms and conditions you might want in a contract? And then you have to implement all these steps to find a buyer and execute the contract and get to closing. Like I said before, you may not be building your surf park just to sell it, but these steps are important to know so you can look at all the options because you may need to get creative to make your surf park development a success. So those are the different categories of tasks as outlined in the real estate development matrix. I know it's a lot and I could probably make a different post for each of these categories. But if you're new to real estate development and want to develop a surf park, it's stuff you need to know. Now, if you found this information helpful and you want to keep up to date on surf park developments, trends, and ideas, if you're an aspiring surf park developer, an investor, an artificial wave engineer, or whatever, please subscribe to my channel, give me a like, comment, share it, and together we can build barrels all over the world. Thanks, and I'm kicking out. See ya.